Aaron Brakefield is our speaker today. Aaron, uh, some of you probably know him. He's been uh, here about four times, I think, visiting. He's actually on a mission with his family. They're uh, pastoring a small church in Brazil. And uh, they do a great job down there. They're also heavily involved in the student ministries part of that church down there. And uh, uh, so he's got lots to tell us about mission and uh, why he does that and what God's doing through him down there. So would you help me welcome Aaron to the stage, please? Good morning. It is a pleasure to be with you. Pleasure to be in Montana, where people are nice and relaxed. Makes us feel like we're in Brazil. We don't worry about too much stuff in Brazil. We just kind of are laid-back people, and that's why we like Montana. And and I was told that uh, Marcy, we're staying with Marcy. Uh, you probably are familiar with uh, Pastor Derry and Marcy. Uh, and I was told that if I wanted some interaction with with the crowd, I just needed to mention the Grizzlies. Is that is that right? <laughs> we get some. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Well, at, at least you're you're livened up. You're ready to go. And, you know, I'm not used to being on screen like this. Uh, Brandon was telling me yesterday morning that, well, see, I, I was thinking, well, the, the camera ad- adds about 10 pounds. And then Brandon said, well, and then, and then it's magnified about three or four times. And, well, and then there's three screens. And so, you know, I'm, I'm really about a buck 15. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it may look like I've added a few pounds on the screen. But just ignore that. You know, just think, man, that guy is scrawny. But no, it is a pleasure to be here with you at Journey, uh, and uh, we're doing work in Brazil, and I got a message I want to share with you. Uh, and the message that I would like to share with you this morning uh, is that all of you are called into mission, all of you. Now, a lot of times when we hear a missionary speaker, we kind of think, well, you know, it's for certain people that will maybe go into missions, go on a short-term trip, or even go career. Or we think, oh, the missionary is going to talk to certain people that need to give or something like that. But I want to tell you this morning, every single one of you, all of you that are here, God has a mission for you to be involved in. God has called you into mission. If you are a follower of Christ, you are to be involved in his mission. So what is God's mission, though? What is his mission? Well, I want to show with you, talk with you about a couple of verses here. And I took them from the Old Testament because I like to use the Old Testament because I think it's good. Some people have kind of just cut it out, but I like the Old Testament. It's good with me. And so I want to show you a verse here in uh, Genesis 3.15. Now, you'll remember Genesis 3, you're kind of coming out of the, the, the creation is done. Uh, Adam and Eve have sinned, uh, the fall of man. Sin has entered the world. Uh, and now God's kind of addressing some things uh, with humanity. So he's talking to Adam, and he's talking to Eve, and he's also talking to the serpent who represents Satan. So we come here to verse three, uh, 315, and a lot of us, we just and, and I for a long time, just kind of skipped past this verse and just kind of read it for what it was and didn't really read into what God is saying here. But in the midst of a curse, God is giving a promise. In the midst of a curse, God is giving a promise. He says, I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. So God is saying between you, the serpent, and the woman. Between your offspring, with the offspring of the serpent, he's not just meaning 
the snakes that, that wander around, that Satan represents everything that is evil. So the offspring of Satan is everything that is evil. So the offspring of Satan and then the offspring of woman, remember Eve is the only woman at this time. So everything that is the offspring of woman is all of us. We're all offspring of Eve. So the, there is, there is uh, uh, enmity, there is, there is hostility between evil and humanity. And actually, uh, this verse here, I'm sorry, uh, I wasn't done there with <laughs> 315. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of long sometimes. Uh, I want to I hit this home, though. But we're, we're talking here offspring. Actually, in the Hebrew, this, this word offspring should probably be translated uh, seed because it can be either plural or singular. Uh, and that kind of has, has the same idea that we have. But it says, he will strike your head, the offspring of woman, man, and you will strike his heel. So the, the serpent will strike the heel of man. There will be a nuisance there. It'll, it'll strike the heel of man. There will be pain there. There will be suffering. But it won't be a fatal blow. But the seed of woman, the son of woman, the son of man, if you read through Matthew, you'll see that quite often. The son of man, who is Jesus, will strike the head of the serpent, will strike that fatal blow to the serpent. You, you remember in the, in the New Testament, it says that Jesus came to destroy everything that Satan came to do. Uh, in Romans, it said that the Lord of peace, the God of peace, will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. So in the midst of this curse, sin has entered the world. There is a relationship, a severing of the relationship be- between God and man. But God says, I'm giving you a promise. There will be redemption. Leviticus uh, 26 uh, 11 through 12 says this, I will live among you. I will not despise you. Remember, he's talking to the Israelites here. They had done a lot of things for God to despise them, just as we have too. I will not despise you. I will walk among you. God will be in their presence, in our presence. I will be your God and you will be my people. And this is just one uh, time that that's said in the Old Testament. If you read through the Old Testament, it's just all over the place. God is renewing this commandment all the time, this promise. I will be your God. You will be my people. So I submit to you this morning, what is God's mission? I think this is God's mission, humanity, restoring a relationship with lost people. This is God's mission, to restore that relationship. And we are to be about that that call. If we are the children of God, we are to be about our Father's business, which is the restoring of relationship between lost people and their creator. Now, there's a, there's a saying that, uh, that you've maybe heard. I, I used to hear it when I would ride in the car with my parents who would listen to this uh, crazy Christian rocker named Steve Green. Do any of you remember Steve Green? He wasn't a Christian rocker. He was very calm. He was very much my parents' generation music. But there was a song that he would sing that, would, that would, he would say, um, across the street or around the world, the mission is the same. Now, I don't want to say anything bad about Steve Green, but I want to challenge that and say that I don't think it's either or, but I think it's both and. Across the street and around the world, we are to be involved in God's mission. We live in a global society anymore. You know, you flip on the news, you can hear about the, the local football scores, and you can hear about the, the miners in Chile that were, that were trapped. Around the world, you're hearing information locally and around the world at the same time. 
We don't live in a, in a world that's so separated anymore, but we live in a small world. And so I believe that, that God is calling us to a mission, not just where we are located, but also involved in what's going on around the world, having that global vision, praying and, and, and helping out uh, God's work across seas, too. I just want to point out, as we kind of get into the message part, uh, there's something in, in our American society uh, that uh, kind of the economy has created, uh, and I don't think it's a bad thing, but you, you, we, we live in a consumer society anymore. Uh, if you go to the supermarket, you go and you check out the prices there. If the prices are good, you buy there. If not, you go down the street and you find a different place and find where the prices are better. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm afraid that uh, that mentality, which is okay for your purchasing, has crept into our spiritual lives, into our churches. And we have a consumer mentality, which is everything revolves around me and what's best for me and what's most important for me and what I like and what I don't like and my opinions. And I am the most important person in this situation. Consumer church. Have you ever heard this before from somebody at church? Well, I'm just not getting fed there, so I'm going to go somewhere else. Have you heard that? I'm just not getting fed. Well, who's the most important person in that comment? Me. Have you ever heard this too? Well, I can worship God just as well from my fishing boat as I can in church. Have you heard that? Or maybe some of us have said that. Or I can worship God just as well staying at home and doing family devotions than I can at church. Well, I hope, I hope I'm not too blatant, but no, you can't. <laughs> it's not true. It's not the way God set up how worship is to be. God set us up, and God created us. He knit us together as a body. And if Christ is the head, we are to be the body, and that is how worship carries out in a community setting. Now, of course, we need that time that we're alone that we're away from, God, from, from everybody else and just have time with God, but we need to be a part of a body, and we need to have a vision for something beyond just me and what's best for me. So that kind of leads us into this clip I want to show you. Uh, it's from a show called uh, Band of Brothers, uh, and it was, it was a, a kind of a series that, that took you along uh, what was going on with, with this group of soldiers that they dropped in paratroopers uh, on uh, before D-Day. You remember the invasion in France there? Germany had taken over France. Uh, there was the D-Day where they did the invasion on the beaches there. But there were some paratroopers that dropped in before the invasion on the beaches uh, that, uh, that kind of took care of some things behind the enemy lines. Uh, and we're going to see a clip here of there's a, a more mature soldier that uh, he went in and he actually did some kind of tactical things and he took out some artillery places and actually did some maneuvers that are still studied today uh, by, by what he did and he did some courageous things and he is talking to a, a younger soldier, a more immature soldier uh, and he had a quite a different experience and so I want, to watch, want us to watch this relationship between these two guys and, and what they talk about here. Lieutenant. Sir, when I landed on D-Day I found myself in a ditch all by myself. I fell asleep. I think it was those air sickness pills they gave us. 
When I woke up, I didn't really try to find my unit to fight. I just... I just kind of stayed put. What's your name, Trooper? Blythe, Albert Blythe. You know why you hid in that ditch, Blythe? I was scared. We're all scared. You hid in that ditch because you think there's still hope. But Blythe, the only hope you have is to accept the fact that you're already dead. And the sooner you accept that, the sooner you'll be able to function as a soldier's supposed to function. Without mercy, without compassion, without remorse. All war depends upon it. Now, there's two attitudes in, in these two soldiers represented here. And I hope you catch what was going on here. Uh, there's the, the younger, more immature soldier that, that drops in there, and he said, well, I dropped in, I was scared, I fell asleep, and I just kind of stayed put. I wonder if we investigate in our spiritual lives how many of us would have to say the same thing. I don't know if it's because I'm scared or I just want to feel comfortable, but for some reason or another, I just stay put. I don't do anything in the fight for God's kingdom. Now, the attitude from the other soldier, the more mature soldier, he says you have to accept the fact you're already dead. Now, the Bible tells us we are to die to self. Jesus tells us that we are to take up our cross daily. And, and just as he said, the sooner that you accept that fact that you're already dead, the sooner you'll be able to function as a soldier is supposed to. So I know this isn't a popular thing to say, but we are to die to self. My personal things, my personal likes and dislikes, what, what makes me feel comfortable, what doesn't make me feel comfortable, we are to die to those things. And the sooner that we are dead to self, dead to the old man, the sooner we'll be able to function as a Christian is supposed to. The sooner we'll be able to function as a soldier in the Lord's army is supposed to function. So I have a few things to say to you this morning. Uh, this should be in your notes page here. First thing I'd like to tell you is that God has saved you for the purpose of his mission. God has saved you for the purpose of his mission. There's a verse in Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. A lot of us remember these verses. Maybe some of us have memorized these verses. But a lot of times we kind of just cut it off before we get to verse 10. And verse 10 is so important, and it, and it kind of adds a perspective uh, to what's going on there. It says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. So these are good things. God has saved us by grace. It's not by anything that we can do to merit or uh, kind of erase the bad things we have done by making it up for good things. 
Uh, it's by grace. It's by God's good gift. Uh, so none of you can boast about it. Uh, for we are God's masterpiece. Another good thing. We are his masterpiece. He, he loves us. He cherishes us. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. But why? So that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So God saves us because he loves us, because he cares about, it, uh, about us through his grace and mercy, not by anything that we do to merit his salvation. We are his masterpiece. But then he wants us to do something. He has created things long ago for us to do, for us to be involved in. Now, I got a couple pictures that I want to show you of, uh, of some guys that were baptized in our church back in June. One of them, his name is Mikael. Mikael is uh, just a real brand new Christian, accepted the Lord in February, uh, and uh, was baptized in June. Uh, but he came through some, some difficult things. Mikael is there on your, on your left. I have to look and see which one spells L. Uh, Mikael is there on your left. Oh, we got the names up. So that's, you can read it. Um, and, uh, and he came through some tough things. His parents were very much against him joining our church uh, because it's a Protestant church. They actually cursed him out and things even the day he was going to be baptized. Uh, and then there's Alex. Alex is on your right. Uh, his father was in prison most of his childhood. Uh, and then when his father was out of prison, his parents were together for a while, and then they'd get drunk and beat on each other, and then they'd be separated, and then they'd come back together for a while. And he just went through a rough life. Uh, when he started, we first got in contact with him through our uh, youth community center, uh, and he came in just as a, as a hard kid. You know, he was just stone cold. He wouldn't talk to anybody. He just kind of sat there, and uh, I could tell that he was coming for a reason, but he didn't want any involvement with people, and so I was kind of the you ever had just a bad day and there's somebody that's like, come on, tell me about it. What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And you're just like, ah, get away. Well, I was doing that to him all the time, but I, I knew that, that there was something down below that uh, we needed to get in touch with. Uh, and so through took three years of working with this Alex kid uh, before he really started to kind of tear down those walls. Uh, and he started joining our church activities. He came to a retreat. Uh, and then he, he started singing, and we had an Easter cantata, and he sang in that and went to a different retreat, and then in February uh, of this year also he was saved. Um, and so the both of them, they got uh, baptized in June, and, and what we always do when we have somebody baptized uh, in our church is we ask them to say something, so that's what you're seeing them do there, is they're kind of sharing their testimony before they get in the water. Uh, every person I want to say a little something. Some of them are nervous about speaking in front of a crowd, so they just kind of say, well, Jesus is my Lord, and then they dive in the water as quick as they can to you know, get out of the public eye. But, uh, but these two guys, they, they stood up and they basically preached for me <laughs> on the day that they got baptized. Uh, and, uh, and Alex especially spoke directly to his parents that were there uh, at the service. And the reason that I ask people to do that is because our lives are a testament God has, has saved us, and he uses us, but we are to multiply and produce more fruit. Uh, just as Jesus was talking in, in, in John 15, his last words with his disciples, and he was talking about how fruit should multiply, how it should produce more fruit. And that's what we want, and that's our desire uh, for, for the people in our church, and that's the desire that, uh, that God has for, for everyone. Dying to self. I, I heard a pastor say a while ago that he, he feels that so many people in the church nowadays have this idea that 
the, the Bible says everything was created by God for me. Well, that's not how it's written. Everything was created by God for God. And that's the attitude that we need to have uh, as his servants. That God has saved us. He's, he's taken us as his own. But for us to be able to do different things and be a part of his ministry. Second thing I want to say to you uh, is that God has strengthened you for his mission. God has strengthened you. He gives you strength for the purpose of his mission. So let's look at Ephesians 4. Uh, and this is such a rich passage here. Uh, if you have time later on, I want you to go through Ephesians 4, well, actually the whole book of Ephesians, and just read how many times it says we or us or our. Paul talks in a community sense. It's not one person, but it's a community. And it says this, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do the work and build up the church. So God gives these different people, apostles, prophets, evangelists, preachers, teachers. But the reason that he gives these people is not just for them to do all the work. It's not for Pastor John and Pastor Brian and Pastor Brandon to do all the work. Their, their job is to equip the saints for them to be involved uh, in God's ministry. To build up the church, the body of Christ, uh, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work, helps the, uh, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So we have this image of a body here. Uh, there's not just one finger over here doing his own thing. We're connected as a body, and we need to be connected as a body. Now, if you, if you imagine, we, we all have different strengths, and, and, and some have been Christians for a longer amount of time, or God has matured some people. But the purpose for them to be mature is not for them to be this super Christian. And we have this idea sometimes in, in America that, that uh, everything is kind of individualistic. And my spiritual life is my business, and your spiritual life is your business, and uh, I won't bother you on your spiritual life, and you don't bother me on my spiritual life, and we'll just kind of keep it separate that way, and everybody will live in peace. But God says, no, you're a body, you're fit together as a body. So how goofy would it look if, if I had like a six-foot arm here on one side and then just like a baby's arm on the other side? Well, it wouldn't make sense. That's not a healthy body. But a lot of times the body of Christ looks that way. That there are more mature organs or parts of the body that are prepared, that are equipped, and they're not always involved in equipping those around them and helping the other parts of the body mature with them. But this says that each part of the body has its own special work. So God gives us talents and abilities and gifts, not for us just to have these things that we can feel proud about, and I have this talent or I have this ability, but for us to do our own special work. I read a story here. Uh, it was in Time magazine. Do any of you remember VHS cassette tapes? Do you remember that? I remember when I was a kid, we would have to go to this video store in town and we'd rent this huge case and we'd bring this VCR home. Uh, I'm kind of dating myself, but you know, you'd bring this huge VCR home and a few tapes and that was your weekend entertainment. Do you remember these things? It was mid-80s. 
We use those a lot. Most of you probably don't have a VCR anymore. But I read this article. It's a little bit dated, but I think it's, it's good even today. Uh, but it's from 1988. It's an issue in time. It says it's provided insight on selfishness and sharing. Speaking about the introduction of the video cassette recorder, the article said the company had made a crucial mistake. While at first, Sony kept its beta technology mostly to itself. Do any of you remember beta technology? Probably less than remember VCRs and VHS. Sony kept it to itself. But while JVC, the Japanese inventor of the VHS format, shared its secret with a raft of other firms. As a result, the market was overwhelmed by, a sheer vol- by the sheer volume of VHS machines being produced. This drastically undercut Sony's market share. The first year, Sony lost 40% of the market, and by 1987, it controlled only 10%. So now Sony has jumped on the VHS bandwagon. Most of you are probably off by now. While it still continues to make beta format VCRs, interestingly, a higher quality technology, Sony's switch to VHS, according to Time, will likely send beta machines to the consumer electronics graveyard. Even in a cutthroat business, sharing has its rewards. So God has given us different talents and abilities uh, and gifts and ways that we can affect people. And maybe you're just, you're an encourager. Maybe you're somebody that has something to teach. Maybe you're, you're some, a musician. Maybe you can be a greeter or a volunteer or you can share God's love with people around you at work. I don't know what it is. All of us have our own special way to fit into God's plan. But if we're not using that, if we're not making that effective in God's kingdom, well, first of all, our neighbor suffers. Our brother and sister in Christ or the lost people around us, they suffer because we're not being an active member of God's family. But also, not just them, but we ourselves suffer too. Because God has made us in a certain way to be productive in a certain way, and if we're not doing that, What are we doing? What are we worth? What good is a trained soldier, a prepared soldier, if he's not in the fight, just like this guy that we saw in the clip? He was trained and prepared, and he made it in there to the behind the enemy lines, but he didn't do a thing. What good is that? There was a a couple from Journey Church uh, a little bit over a year ago that uh, they got together Names are Eddie and Leslie. They got together and they said, hey, we're not preachers or we're not theological geniuses. But Eddie says, well, I know about computers. And Leslie said, well, I know about photography. So they talked to us and they came down and stayed with us for over a month, almost two months. And they taught computer technology and photography to the youth that we work with in Brazil. You might think, well, that's not a very spiritual thing. But they built deep, lasting relationships through those connections that they made using the talents that God has given them that oftentimes in the church we don't recognize those things, but they need to be recognized. They used those things that God blessed them with uh, to bless those around them, to bless people on the other side of the world. And we need to do the same thing. We need to look at what God has equipped me with, what I'm able to do, uh, and use that for his purpose. Finally, God does good works in your life for the purpose of his mission. God does good works in your life for the purpose of his mission. Have you ever seen how uh, good 
attitudes and happy attitudes just kind of multiply themselves. They, they replicate. If one is happy, you kind of you make, make the other people happy around you. You kind of infect other people. Have you ever noticed that? You're around a bubbly person. That person kind of, either they annoy you or their, their bubbliness spills over onto you. But there's a verse here in John uh, 15. Again, Jesus talking to his disciples in John 15. Uh, and it says this, uh, verses 10 through 12, if you want to follow along. When you obey my commands, this is Jesus speaking, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow, will spill out to those around you. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. So, so God loves us in a certain way so that his love will spill out onto us and then we are to love each other just as God loves us and so our love spills out onto those around us and it just kind of multiplies. Do you remember the parable of the ungrateful servant? Jesus t- said this parable with this, uh, there's a king and a servant that comes before him, owes him millions of dollars, something he could never pay. He'd have to sell his whole family into slavery. And the, and the king says, you know what? I see your situation. I forgive you. It's erased. No more debt. And the guy's excited. You know, he's praising the, the king there, and he goes out. First guy he finds in the street, he grabs him by the neck and says, you scoundrel, you owe me five bucks. Five dollars. After he had been, been forgiven millions. And so the king drags him back in and throws him in jail. Why? Because the king expected that that mercy and compassion that he had shown to him, the servant would then show it to the other people around him. And that's how we are to live. God has done great things in our lives. He's shown us compassion, forgiveness, and mercy. And then he does other things like he, he, he cures diseases and, and he gives us resources and he puts us in certain positions and he gives us relationships with people around us. And he blesses us in so many ways that oftentimes we don't even recognize. But then we fail to pass on those blessings to those around us. I want to show you a picture here of a, a boy uh, that goes to our church. His name is Michel. Now, Michel has, uh, has gone through a tough time. He's 17 years old, but um, he, was, he was born uh, in a family where his, uh, he had six or seven siblings. All of them were from different fathers. Uh, for a while, he lived with his father, but when his father found a different uh, woman in, in his life, he kicked Michel out back to his mother's place. Uh, when Michel sees him on the street, he, uh, his father don't want, wasn't even won't even say hi to him, just ignores him. Uh, Michelle's has two siblings that have died already, uh, were killed in uh, gang, drug-type relationships. Uh, he has two other siblings that are in jail, in prison, uh, again, for drug-type things. Uh, his two sisters that live at home with him uh, are both heavily addicted to, to drugs, uh, and everything that is in Michelle's house gets stolen to be sold for these drugs. So every cell phone that Michelle has ever owned is stolen, sold for, for drugs, sold to the neighbors for 30% of what he paid for it. Uh, perfume, actually this coat that he's wearing in this picture when he went back in June, that was the only day he got to wear it. Went back to his house, stuck it in his closet. Uh, the next day he went out to work, and he came back that night, it was gone. Uh, just everything, he can't leave anything laying around 
Um, his mother actually pulled a knife on him one time. He actually had to live with some other missionaries we work with for a little bit over a month. Uh, his mother threatened to kill him. Uh, he stays at our house probably two or three nights a week uh, just to kind of get away from it all. He sleeps over at our place. Uh, but he has gone through a rough life. And so you say, well, how does this fit in with God does good works in our life for the purpose of his mission? That doesn't make any sense. Why are you talking about the rough life of this boy? But God has saved Michelle. Through kind of a roundabout way, Michelle got connected with our church. He went through a discipleship process. He was baptized in January. Uh, he's doing classes now to become a member of our church. And he's not involved in everything that logically he should be involved in. He should have logically gone the same route of all his family, of everybody in his neighborhood. He lives in kind of a shanty town that's known for being very much drug-related, drug-owned kind of. But God has taken him out of those things. God has given him a new light and a new life. And that new life that's in Michel spills over to those around him. And there's, he still has a lot of things to work through just emotionally and, and, and culturally. Um, but God is doing a work in Michel's life. And that work in his life, people that know his testimony, get excited. And shouldn't that be the way all of us are? You know, we, maybe we don't have as rough a life as Michelle. We've gone through different situations. Maybe we do. But other people around us should see Jesus in our life. Galatians 2.20 says that, that we are to be crucified with Christ. And it's not us that lives, but Christ that lives through us. And people should see Christ in our life. And that joy, that peace, should spill out to those around us. I want to just close here with a, a verse from Psalm 67, verses 1 and 2. And it says this, May God be merciful and bless us. Don't we pray for that? We should pray for that. May God be merciful and bless us. And we ask for God's mercy on our lives. We ask for God to bless us. May his face smile with favor on us. Wouldn't you like to feel that? That God's face is smiling with favor on you? To know that, that God is pleased with you? But there is a reason for why we pray these things. It's not so that we can have a, a nice car to drive and live in a nice house and have a nice retirement and everything work out perfect in our life. We'd like that. But that's not the purpose it's okay if that happens. It's great if that happens. But that's not the purpose of why God blesses us. God blesses us so that your ways may be known throughout the earth, your saving power among people everywhere. This is what God has called us to, to die to self. To die to self so that God and his ways and his saving power may be known throughout the earth. So I'll just ask you to kind of get in a in a mode of prayer right now, kind of gather your mind uh, and your thoughts and um, just kind of calm your hearts before God. I'll just ask you to pray about these things. First of all, you may look at this uh, message today and, and you, you see this God that's so merciful, so compassionate, that loves us and treats us as a treasure and as a masterpiece. And you may be saying this morning, 
I still don't know that God. God for me in my mind is, is judgmental. Or God for me in my mind is, is a God that expects me to make up for the bad things I've done by doing good things. But maybe you're saying this morning, I want to know that God. I want to get in touch with him. So if that's you this morning, I'll just ask you to slip up your hand just so that we can connect with you so that you actually make an action that is physical and helps you remember this moment where you're saying, I want to get in touch with God. I want him to be my God. Go ahead and slip up your hand if that's you this morning. Now, there might be a different group of you here today. And you hear, heard this message and you say, yeah, I already have God in my life. I know Jesus. I know that he died and saved me from my sins and he's given me freedom. But you're saying, I still kind of feel like I'm like this soldier here that was just kind of staying put. I'm not doing anything. I'm not fighting for God's kingdom. I'm just doing what feels comfortable. And maybe you want to make a commitment today and say, you know what, I want to make a change in my life. I want to get involved in God's battle. I want to invest in something that is eternal and not temporal like everything else that we can see and touch, but I want to be involved in God and his kingdom. So if that's you this morning, slip up your hand too so that you can make a firm commitment today and say, yes, Lord, I want to live for you. I want to give my life completely over to you. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, we just praise your name this morning, Lord. Lord, we don't have words to express how great a God you are. Lord, we don't deserve our salvation or we don't deserve uh, to be your children, Lord. But still you have chosen to save us from our sins, to, to erase our bad history. And then not just that, but then to adopt us into your family, Lord. We praise your name for that. Thank you so much, Lord. And then after taking us into your family, Lord, you've, you've given us talents and abilities and strengthened us, and we learn more and more about you. And we thank you for not just abandoning us, but sending your Holy Spirit to to connect with us and, and make us alive in you, Lord. And Lord, we thank you also for the good things that you do in our life, Lord. We recognize that every good gift that we have comes from you. But Lord, we don't want to just hang on to our resources and our time and our talents and keep them as our own, Lord. We want to turn them over to you. That we can be fully consecrated, fully given over to your service, Lord, that we can be useful tools in your hand. Thank you so much, Lord, for your love, for your mercy. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here with you at Journey. I want to encourage you that if, if you were one that made a decision today, you raised your hand either to uh, accept the Lord or to uh, commit yourself more fully to Him. Get in touch with somebody. 
That's part of being the body, too. Talk to somebody about that. You can bless that person. They'll bless you. But just make it something real and not just something private, uh, but it's, it's something that can be sustained. So it's been a pleasure to be with you, uh, and, and I would be remiss if I didn't share with you here uh, at the end about a way that you can get involved in our ministry. Journey's been involved in our ministry for four years, uh, and I, I thank Pastor Brian and the other staff uh, for, for getting on board with us four years ago uh, and supporting our mission and our work in Brazil before we even really got to the field. But now we're there. Uh, for the last two years, I've been serving as pastor of the church there. Uh, and uh, we aren't getting back until the 2nd of December. And so uh, as a pastor, being away from the church for three months, that's just, it's torture on us. Uh, we want to be there. And, and our deepest desire is to be able to serve God and serve the people that we work with and see them grow and people like these, these guys in the pictures. Uh, and we want to be involved with that. And so if, if you feel that God is is nudging you to get involved with this ministry. Uh, we got a table in the back. You can pick up some cards back there. Uh, I have a picture of us on there, and it has a, a form in the back where you can fill out some information, your address and things. And you can mark, you can say, hey, I want to pray for you guys. I want to get your newsletter and find out what's going on and be able to keep up to date with you. Or maybe you say, I want to support financially. Now, we still need about 80 people to get on board with us financially uh, and support us for $25 a month. Now, that's just kind of a goal. It's something that helps us kind of break it down. Uh, maybe you say, hey, I, I can, I, God's blessed me. I can do more than that. That's great. Or maybe you say, you know what? 25 is just too, it's too, things are too tight now. I can only do five or 10. That's great too. Uh, but we, we would love to have you involved in our ministry. And I don't want this to feel like a, it's a pressure thing or a guilt thing. I don't want you to give because, well, I think Aaron maybe is a nice guy or, uh, they, they have cute kids or whatever. That's not, that's not a reason to get involved uh, in the mission. I want you to be involved in this because you feel like God is doing something in Brazil and you want to be a part of that. Uh, God has given you resources and, and you want to help uh, God's kingdom in Brazil that way. So if that's you, if God's saying that to you this morning, uh, you can pick up a card in the back. Uh, you can maybe take it home and pray about it and send it in in the mail on the address marked there. Or you can just fill it out right there and hand it to us too. Uh, but we just we'd appreciate Journey uh, we always love coming back here. We feel at home at this church. You know, we, we haven't been here that many times, about four times. But we just feel at home and we feel blessed being here with you. So thank you so much for, for inviting us. Thank you for having us. Uh, and God bless you.